Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This will be for Ephesians chapter 5. The heading reads, Saints exhorted to avoid uncleanness and walk uprightly. Husbands and wives should love each other. That's good counsel, isn't it? Verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for his sweet-smelling savor. Back in the day when, uh, in the Old Testament, when they were talking about the various sacrifices that uh, would be offered, uh, always, or a lot of the sacrifices, it ended with, uh, by saying, for a sweet-smelling savor. Uh, if you add an I in that, it, it says, for a sweet-smelling savior. Anyway, uh, some symbolism there. Verse 3, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Practicing sinners will not be saved in the kingdom of God, is what he's saying. So we're trying to, to... be um, obedient or trying to repent as often as we sin. Verse 7, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest in light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time between, or because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but, un, but understanding what is the will of the Lord. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart of the, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body." Can you find in all the Holy Scriptures where the Lord Jesus Christ ever failed his church? Can you find any Scriptures that says he was untrue to his people, to his neighbors, friends, or associates? Was he faithful? Was he true? Is there anything good and worthy that he did not give? Then that is what what we ask, what we ask of a husband, every husband. That is the goal. Can you think of a single exception in his great life? There should be none in yours. That was by Spencer W. Kimball. Verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
There is a scripture which says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Your wife is your friend. You should be willing to go even to the extent of giving your life for her, if the need should appear. Would you give your life for her? Would you... You need to ask yourself, can I love my wife even as Christ also has loved the church? Can you think of how he loved the church? Its every, its every breath was important to him. Its every growth, its every individual was precious to him. He gave to those people all his energy, all his power, all his interest. He gave his life, and what more could one give? Now, again, that was by President Kimball. To put the principle in proper perspective, Paul draws an analogy between the relationship of a priesthood husband to his wife and of Christ to the church. Christ and the husband in Christ constitute the head in their respective callings. For marriage is more than a partnership, it is also a priesthood stewardship. Since every steward is accountable for his stewardship, he must be able to exercise righteous dominion over it. There can be no legitimate responsibility without legitimate authority. Husbands do not derive their authority from their sex, but from Christ. They are the head of their wives because Christ is their head. A man's authority and the right to exercise that authority is righteousness originate is righteousness originates in Christ, not in the man. Consequently, a wife's commitment to her husband imposes a profound obligation on him to be worthy of her commitment. To justify the wife's commitment, Paul commands what I just read. And that was by Rodney Turner. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they they too shall be one flesh." This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of us, or let every one of you in particular, so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. In keeping with his emphasis on the mysteries or ordinances of the gospel, Paul indicates that marriage is the great mystery. In Greek, the megamysterion, or highest and greatest ordinance, Certainly he did not mean that marriage is a great secret or a mystery that needs a solution. What he means here is that marriage is the highest and holiest ordinance of the gospel. For this cause such a man shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. For what cause? For the fulfillment of the plan of the father, the plan that provides for eternal love and its truest expression. In the scriptures, there are only a few passages where the Lord tells us to love something with all our hearts, loving the Lord and loving our wife. In section 42, it says, Thou shalt love thy wife with all thy heart, and shalt cleave unto her and none else. Sisters, what would, what it, what would it be like to be married to the Savior? Brethren, what would it be like if you were a husband like the Savior? Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.